And hello, movie lovers. So tonight I'm going to do a little small movie news segment that was some of the things that just broke yesterday and today. So we have a little bit of movie news. We have I Know What You Did Last Summer, Jennifer Love Hewitt and Freddie Prinze Jr. are in talks to return for another sequel. Then, of course, we also have some AMC theater news where they're actually charging for individual seats like would actually go to the con with concerts. We also have some Fantastic Four news that we're uh, dropping that dropped today. And then, of course, we also have some news about Knock at the Woods. So with that being said, let's go on ahead. Let's get on with the show. And hello, movie lovers. And like I said, we have a little bit of movie news. First thing is first, I want to go on ahead and talk about the ACM theaters to change movie ticket prices based on seat locations. And I'm going to get into what I think about this in a few minutes. But I think that this is actually a good subject to actually talk about because now they're changing the way we actually view and see movies. And this is what they this is what they had to say. At your next visit to AMC theaters, getting a prime seat may cost you a little extra. The country's largest expedition chain is rolling out Sightline at AMC, a ticket pricing intimate based on seat location within the auditorium, similar to music concerts, sporting events, or on or Broadway. Moviegoers will have the option to pay more or less admission, depending on where they choose to sit in the venue. In effect, front row seats will be available at a lower price, well, seats in the middle of the theater will be available at a higher price. The end of it kicks off on Friday of at select AMC uh, locations in New York, Chicago, and Kansas City, and will expand to all domestic AMC locations by the end of the year. This is also another thing that Deadline says. There will be three different seat pricing options. The first is standard sightline, described as the, as the seats that are the most common in auditoriums and are available for the traditional cost of a ticket. Then there's the value sightline, referred to as seats in the front row of the auditorium as well as selected ADA seats in each auditorium and are available at a lower price than standard select seats. Value sightline pricing is only available at, to AMC Stubbs members, including the free tier membership. Third option is preferred sightline, which are the seats in the middle of the auditorium and are priced at a Premium to standard sightline seats. AMC Stubbs A-list members will be able to reserve seats at, in the preferred sightline section to add an additional cost. The theaters that offer sightline at AMC are expected to provide a detailed seat map that outlines each seating option during the ticket purchase, purchase process online on the AMC app and at the box office. Sightline at AMC is appealed to all showtimes that begin at 4 p.m. at participating locations. And it's not as applicable on discount Tuesdays when all movie tickets are discounted up to $5. Sightline, Sightline at AMC more costly aligns at AMC seat pricing approach to that of many other entertainment venues offering experience-based pricing in another way for moviegoers to find value at the movies, said Elliot Humsuch, executive VP and CMO at uh, AMC Theaters. While every seat at AMC del delivers an amazing moviegoing experience, we know there are some moviegoers who prioritize their specific seat and other who prioritize value moviegoing. Sightline at AMC accommodates both. 
simultaneously to help ensure that our guests have more control over their experience so that every trip to AMC is a great one. And the Sightline Interactive is the latest of AMC theaters experiment with movie ticket prices as cinemas struggled to recover from COVID in 2022. The X better charge one to $2 more for the opening weekend of Robert Pattinson's The Batman compared to other movies playing at the same time and last weekend with the encouragement of Paramount AMC offers matinee prices to every screening of 80 for Brady, a comedy starring Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, Rita Manuro, and Sally Field. So my initial thoughts is this, okay? I know that we're not going to see... I know that we're not going to a concert. I get that. I get... We're going to see a movie. And because we're going to go see a movie, you're already reserving seats. You already have reserved uh, seating as, and stuff like that. And it's always the standard ticket price and thing, and they're not having everything sectioned off like you would go to a, a concert. And I don't think it should be. I don't think it should be sectioned off or anything. Right? I think that it should be one standard ticket. Some people might actually see this differently because of the fact that, yeah, you can still reserve tickets, but then you can actually... Let's say, for instance, that you want the middle section or you want the aisle seat. There are going to be different prices for each individual thing. Some people might actually say, hey, look, this is a little too much for me because of the fact not only do I have to reserve seats at a certain section now and stuff like that, but then you also have to look at concession prices that I need to bring my family to and things like that. And it's not going to be that great of a deal for me because of the fact that I have to spend X amount of dollars on food. And then also, too, on top of that, having to pick the seats that I want and having those seats being more expensive because those are the seats that I like because that's the best moving going experience that I can actually afford. But then I also have to pay extra for the section stand prices because my family wants to have popcorn, wants to have extra things to actually have the good movie going experience that I want. So there's that for me. I don't, I think this might actually be problematic because of the fact that I understand that, you know, the movie theaters are actually trying to survive because of the stuff with COVID-19. But at the same time, do we really need to section off individual seating in order to make our money back? I understand that only a third of the money uh, that they make off of concession stands, the uh, movie theaters only make a third of the profit from concession stands and then also too with the box office, they don't really make much off of. So you actually do need to have the concession stands open so that way they can actually make their money back. But I don't see this actually surviving. I don't see this is actually going to be something that's going to keep on happening where you're going to end up paying individually for individual seats. And then on top of that, having to pay a ticket price like you would at a, at a rock concert or anything like that. And I don't see that actually being a long-term thing, but that's just my opinion. And I also don't like it. I really don't like this because of the fact that this year, let's say here's the thing. I like the ILC. So therefore that's that price might actually be a little bit cheaper, but if you're trying to get that middle seat, that's going to be more expensive. And then you're also paying, and depending on where you live, you actually pay $15 and then you might have to pay an extra five bucks. That's like $20 total. I just don't see this thing working out, but what do you guys think? Do you think this is a good idea of AMC to charge people for individual seating in sec different sections of the theater? And especially when you're not going to see a rock concert, you're not going to see a Broadway show, you're not 
getting to see any of that stuff. You're just going to see a movie. And I understand that you have reserved seating already. And it, some people say, well, it makes sense because of the fact they have reserved seating. But for me, I don't like this idea. But then again, I don't live next to an AMC, so therefore I don't really have to worry about it. But then again, if there's what's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. So therefore, if, let's say, for instance, if it does work out for AMC. Next thing you know, you're going to see excuse me, other movie theaters do this. So tell me what you guys think in the comments. Do you think it's a good idea or a bad idea? So a little other piece of information that dropped over, over yesterday, and I didn't even know that this was actually going to be happening, but it looks like I know what you did last summer. I might be getting a sequel to I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, which is a movie that took place back in the late 90s. And now that and now it looks like that we're actually going to get a sequel to it. And it's going to have Jennifer Love Hewitt and Freddie Prince Jr. They're in talks to return to their roles. And, and then, of course, you also have Caden um, Robinson, who's actually directed this movie as well. And this is what uh, Deadline had to say about this. Exclusive. Following the successful relaunch of Scream, Sony Pictures is looking to blow new life into its own slasher franchise. As sources tell Deadline that Jennifer Caitlin Robinson has been tapped to direct the sequel to I Know What You Did Last Summer, but Jennifer Love Hewitt and Freddie Prinze Jr. and talks to reprise their roles. Insiders say that the project is in early development and that Neil H. Mortez is in talks to return as the producer with Liam McKendrick on board to write the script. Sony had no comment on the project. The original pick follows four young friends found by a tragic accident who re-reunited when they find themselves being stalked by a hook-wielding maniac in their small seaside town. The original was a hit and not only led to a sequel, but also helped launch the careers of Jennifer Love Hewitt, Freddie Prince Jr., Sarah Michelle Gellar, and Ryan Phillip. Philippe, I think that's how you say it. But plot details for this latest installment are still unknown. While McKendrick is pinning the pick, the idea for the new film came from Robinson and McKendrick, who blew away studio executives when they pitched the idea for a sequel last fall. Especially when the recent success of the Scream franchise, that film has recently relaunched with original cast members returning and the idea of bringing back original cast members to draw in old school fans while also adding fresh faces to relaunch the series was too good for the studio to pass up. Another big factor was the recent success of Robinson's Netflix pick, Do Revenge, which was lauded for as throwbacks. was loaded for his uh, throwbacks and also landed uh, for the throwbacks to late 90s picks like Cruel Intentions and was something executives knew Robinson could tap into the developing of this new story. Sony also saw it at, at, important to not reboot the franchise but do a sort of passing of the torch type sequel which originally cast members are brought back as a new generation cast members are added to the ensemble some similar to films like scream or creed once the idea was pitched by robinson and mckendrick the next step was getting hewitt and prince back on board well two were game for after hearing the pitch for robinson do revenge was her most recent directing outlining and earned her a high marks for first-time film director. Prior to that, she was a writer on Marvel's Thor Love and Thunder and was consulting producer on Hawkeye. Outside the Marvel Universe, Robinson also planned on, unfortunately, for HBO Max and her directing debut, 
for Netflix was someone great. She is raped by CAA. McKendra Rowe produced and co-starred in visually thriller MFA alongside Francis, uh, Francis Eastwood, Francisca Eastwood, which premiered at... Uh, okay, so here's my thoughts on this. So I, I like the Scream franchise. I think that they launched the... And I can understand why they would want to get revisit this again because of the fact that you're dealing with the nostalgia of the characters and themselves. Because if you look at the, the script, last Scream movie, you actually had David Arquette returning. You also had Nick Campbell coming back. You also have David Arquette. You had Courtney Cox. You had all the original legendary characters coming back again to face off against Ghostface. And then that movie actually made bank. So therefore, they're like, you know what would be great if we could actually relaunch this I know what you did last summer franchise and turn this thing around to where these legendary characters will meet these new characters and they will actually be the ones to actually take the torch for I know what you did last summer. And therefore, we can actually might be able to kill off some of the legendary characters, maybe keep maybe one or two to keep the franchise still going while also introducing uh, people to new characters. And here's the thing. I know what you did last summer is a great one one sequel kind of movie to me, in my opinion, in the very first movie. And the second one wasn't that great when you look at the sequel or anything like that, but it was still kind of fun. But at the same time, it was, you can definitely tell it was kind of forced. With this one, if they go ahead and do the screen formula, the way they're actually talking, where you actually have these legendary characters and then you mix them in with this new generation, I think it could actually work. And I believe that you would actually have to kill off one of those characters legendary characters to, car to pass the torch on to these new uh, these new generation of characters so that way the franchise can live on. But the question is, which one do you actually kill off? Do you kill off Freddie Prince Jr.? Do you kill off Jennifer Love Hewitt? And my guess is that you would actually kill off, Je um, not Jennifer Love Hewitt, but you would actually kill off, in fact, Freddie Prince Jr., and then you actually pave the way for the new generation of people and then have Jennifer Love Hewitt show up in certain movies and then maybe kill her off in the next sequel after that, if you wanted to do that. But, you know, and I also know for a fact that they actually tried doing a TV series of I Know What You Did Last Summer and it crashed and burned to the ground. And I just didn't really care for a TV series. This actually has me kind of interested, like I said, because of the fact that you have a success, like the Scream franchise just relaunched their franchise last year. And then now they're having this new Scream movie. So it's kind of interesting to see how this actually will play out which I think that the Scream movie actually actually makes more sense because of the fact that you're dealing with more rules, more ways of characters could actually live or die. With this one, you're dealing with something that's totally different because of the fact that these kids winds up running over this one person that they thought that they had killed when they were drunk, and then all of a sudden he winds up coming back to to avenge them for the death that um for the for his death. So you have that mystery element of who's doing it, and this turns into a slasher film. But this one, I'm kind of interested on what these new characters do to, in order for them to be stalked by somebody and how the similarities are actually the same as what Jennifer Love Hewitt and Robert Downey Jr. actually, go, not Robert Downey Jr., but uh, Freddie Prince Jr. goes through. So that's something that is going to be kind of interesting to actually see as this news actually develops. But am I sold on it? Yeah, I'm actually kind of sold on it, but I'm hoping that they don't do it according to how the book is. Because if they go according to the book, there is no man with a hook. There's a guy with a gun that's killing these people instead. So I'm hoping that they don't go that route where they're adding in 
a, these legendary characters make some of these new characters and then putting in the first book into this new re, uh, this new way of doing it. So I'm hoping they don't do it that way. But what do you guys think? Do you guys are you guys excited for I Know What You Did Last Summer? Tell me in the comments and tell me if you guys are wanting a new I Know What You Did Last Summer movie and Jennifer, with Jennifer Love Hewitt and Freddie Prince Jr. And uh, also, um, of course, adding in these new characters. So next I have the Fantastic Four news, and this is going to be wrapping up our movie news segment. So here's the thing. Fantastic Four is going to be, uh, has actually a filming date and is re revealed by the MCU director. With Marvel Studios, Fantastic Four set for release in 2025. Director Matt Sheckman recently revealed that the filming on the project is expected to begin in 2024. Speaking to the wrap, Shackman confirmed that the project would commence production in early 2024, although it's still unclear as to who will even star in the film, given the large gap between the confirmation and the, and the expected production start. However, it does give both Shackman and the folks at Marvel Studios time to find the group who will take the play of legendary batch of superheroes. Currently, almost nothing is known about the upcoming Fantastic Four film, besides rumors that have been floating about for some time. The most recent pegged star is Adam Driver as one of the front runners to play Reed Richards, while other reports have mentioned that Elvis star Austin Butler has been eyed to play the role of Johnny Storm, otherwise known as the Human Torch. Officially casting for the film hasn't been announced yet, but the Office alum John Korinsky recently made his debut as a variant of Reed Richards' Mr. Fantastic in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Marvel's Fantastic Four comic book series created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby debuted in 1961 and was the first superhero team ever produced by Marvel Comics. The film is set to make its debut during Phase 6 of the MCU on February 14, 2025. So, there you have it. So, my thoughts is this when it comes down to the fantastic four and even in the story we don't know what the plot is yet we don't even have any kind of actors that are being casted we have rumors right now with adam driver and things like that but we don't have any cohesiveness of who these, who's going to be playing what character or anything like that and then of course we also have a release date of 2025 of february of the 14th so that's that at least we actually have a year and a date that we can actually sit on and they have two years to actually try and put this thing out so we actually have time to cast these people and to put them where they need to be at an audition and then do role pre-production and shoot this movie and then be out for 2025. i think the time between now and 2025 is actually perfect i don't think it's gonna be rushed or anything like that i do think that they need to take their time like they've been doing with the casting and trying to figure out who's good for the role instead of just giving us something and throwing something at at the wall and hoping and praising that it actually sticks versus it just just taking your time and slowly build out what you want for your fantastic four universe and i think doing it in 2025 on february 14th actually makes sense because for instance you can actually go out on a date and go to a movie go to dinner and and then they, therefore you actually have um, some type of way of actually talking to the person that you're with on your very first date or whatever. And therefore you have something in common to talk to them about. So I'm thinking that is it going to be a good date movie 
when it comes down to 2025. But as for who I think that should play Johnny Storm and stuff like that, that's not enough to me to decide. That's up to the casting directors. I'm not really a big fan of of doing fan casting or anything like that. That's just not me. That's not who I am. But tell me who you would be considering to for the role of uh, the Human Storm, uh, Human Torch, and also, of course, you know Reed Richards. And tell me who you would cast as the Thing or the Invisible Woman. Tell me in the comments below. Tell me what you guys think about that. And this is going to be it as far as this movie news segment goes. I hope everyone has a safe and great night. I hope that you guys come back tomorrow night at 8 o'clock Central Time, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, as we're going to be doing our Last of Us Episode 4 review coming up tomorrow night. So always until next time, guys. Bye-bye.